Hello and welcome to Misbehave, the podcast where we explore human behavior in a business context. Season two of Misbehave is all about uncovering behavioral patterns which create success in life and business. We're joined by highly driven, accomplished individuals to assess their behavioral patterns and dive into how behaviors have influenced their journey. This episode features one of Britain's most recognizable business leaders, Linda Plant. After leaving school at 16, Linda progressed from selling fashion on a Dewsbury market stall to launching an international knitwear brand, in the process becoming one of the first women to head a fashion company flotation on the London stock market. Linda is now empowering others to successfully start and run their own companies with her Linda Plant Business Academy. You may also recognize her as one of Lord Sugar's interviewers on BBC's The Apprentice. Welcome, Linda. We're really happy to have you here. Maybe we start off by telling the listeners, I'm sure most people will know a little bit about you, but it's always nice to hear it in your own words. There's obviously been so many things that you have achieved, but can you give us sort of a high level overview, maybe some snippets of your journey to date? Well, yeah. Um, so I, I, I took my business, I started on a market stall, that's well known, and I was one of the first women to take a business from a market stall to the stock market. And I built probably the biggest knitwear mass market business in the UK, which I sold and not only in the UK, had an office in Hong Kong, office in Amsterdam. I sold my merchandise worldwide. Um, So... That's one of my highlights. I also co-founded an electronics business, Mm -hmm. which people think, well, how did you get from fashion to electronics? (laughs) Um, But actually, it was what I called a variation of a theme because it was an importing business. And although the commodity was different, sweaters, TVs, microwaves, there's a lot of synergy in in that kind of trading. So I co-founded that. And within three years, we took it to over... Um, over a million pound profit. And I sold that after three years. I then exited yeah. that. Um, I then founded a, uh, co-founded a property company, which I am still part of. And so I ended up in real estate. And I, as a side shoot from that, which I never intended, I ended up with an interior design business. Um, and then finally, of course, when, when, The Apprentice has been a highlight for me because I think it's such a popular show. It's Mm -hmm. so well recognized. The interviews are the um, the pinnacle. They're they're the most watched episode in in the series. And being being asked by Alan Sugar to be an interviewer and to deliver his brief, which was to be, you know, to dig deep to expose weaknesses. And I think that's what I did. So I would say that I'm lucky to have had all these highlights and still to continue because now I mentor, I give talks. And The Apprentice was the kickstart for that for me because yeah. it, it, it shot me to recognition yeah. and that allowed me to, and at this stage in the business where I've got such a breadth of experience, it allowed me to share. And that's really where I am today and that's really what I like so that's a synopsis of amazing the journey. I felt like I wanted to go whoop whoop in between <laughs> all of those uh, amazing no I mean it's been such an amazing journey and lots and lots of highs and we're going to talk a little bit in this episode around some of what you would class as those big highs and where we obviously, you know, we talked to you before the episode around we're going to be weaving some of your dominant behaviours into that and maybe how they have influenced your journey. 
um, and where they align with that, but also, you know, some of the challenges maybe that you've experienced along the way and where potentially those behaviours line up with that as well. Yes. Yeah. So yeah, it would be really good, Linda, if you could just tell us a little bit about maybe a couple of your biggest wins. Like that's obviously a whistle-stop tour there, but what what were really significant wins for you? And we're going to look at at your behavioural map and how potentially your behaviours influence some of that. Yeah. Well, obviously, the adrenaline alone of of of, of being a woman in business, from yeah. starting from a market stall and building a multi million pound business, it is a high. Oh, wow. it, it 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 is a win. Um, you know, and I would say, so I think it's not wins, it's like personal achievements. Mm-hmm. You know, I got an award from the government in Korea, which actually was quite funny because they really didn't want to give it to me because I was a woman <laughs> and women are not at the forefront <laughs> in Korea yeah. ever, a bit more now. <laughs> so, you know, building a business and taking a business to the stock market was a tremendous high. And then seeing at that time that I could, that I could co-found an electronics business and build that up. Yeah. So, you know, I never, I can't say that I set out with goals. I tell people to have goals, but I just didn't know where I was going. I was so young. And then I think I would say, you know, going on, going on The Apprentice, going on the number two program on the BBC television. And obviously I feel I'm a successful interviewer. And although I'm firm, I'm popular. Yeah, you know, absolutely. I give yeah. good TV, I think. <laughs> so, and, you know, look, the financial rewards have been a high. You know, what I, I can't deny that. I started with absolutely nothing. I came from really poor working class parents. And to have been able to afford to do some of the things I've done were, be, were beyond my wildest dreams. Yeah. yeah. So the financial rewards have been a high, but I've always tried to keep good values. Yeah. Because the good values are important. I try to instill those in my children. Yeah. So let's break those down a little bit. So let's look first at that piece you talked about around, you know, going from a market stall to floating a business on the stock Mm. exchange. Yeah. What do you think? Because we talked earlier around almost not the the academic piece of that and how that doesn't always need to be part of somebody's journey. What do you think was pivotal for you? in that process was there mindset shifts that you had or what do you think contributed to that change and that level of success well I, it was gradual it was gradual i mean you know as the market store led to 14 retail markets markets and shops they started with one end up all across rotherham sheffield doncaster leeds bradford that fell into when i had such a big buying power that fell into a, I took a warehouse in Leeds, which was the central distribution for the shops, but it was also in the fashion district. That led into people saying, can we buy this merchandise? So I'd bring a lot back. So then I thought, well, I've only got to buy more. I can build a wholesale business. Yeah. So that was quite pivotal because the wholesale business, I then led me to the importing business. And that was just an accident. I call myself a creative merchandiser because I'm not... I'm not a trained designer, but I've got quite a creative, I've got quite a creative brain and I've got a very good eye. And I always say an eye is something you've got or you haven't got. I never believe in losing the plot. You've got the plot or you ain't got the plot. (laughs) (laughs) And um, I think what was probably pivotal, I had a a Chinese friend 
in London. And he said to me one day, he said, Linda, why don't you go to Hong Kong? He said, I've got a very good friend. And he, in those days, you needed export licenses and quota. He said he's a big quota holder for the UK. He was the agent for mail order, Freeman's mail order catalog. They've opened their own office. He's looking for a customer. Why don't you go? And I, because I, you know, I'm a big believer in opportunities. Opportunities come to everybody. You take it or you don't take it. You don't buy a ticket. You're never going to win the lottery. So, you know, and at that time I knew my buying power was quite substantial. So I thought, well, I'm going to get on a plane and go because what have I really got to lose? Mm -hmm. And that was pivotal because I met this guy and I knew I could buy to feed my retail and my wholesale business, two and a half, three thousand of a style. And I always loved knitwear. It was my favorite thing. And I never thought I could buy the kind of knitwear that I envisioned because I, I like pretty things. And I, and I say to people when I'm interviewing them, have a USP. You can't, don't be jack of all trades and master of none. So I wanted to see if I could produce pretty knitwear, feminine knitwear at a mass market price. So that was what I wanted to do. And I went, he took me around a lot of factories and I saw lots of goods being made for different markets. And I took the ideas, I redesigned them a bit and I ended up at the end of two weeks with quite a big range of merchandise, which I only intended to buy for my wholesale and retail. But when I looked at it all, I thought, this should have a brand. That's literally how it happened. Yeah. I didn't go out and say, I'm going to build a brand. This should have a brand. And I thought, right, I'm going to give it a brand name. And I, well, I want it to be feminine. That's what I did. I called it Honeysuckle. honeysuckle. Yeah. And that was really a, a very pivotal role in my life because when I brought this range back, everyone went mad for it. That led me to do a show in London, at Olympia, a fashion show. And then the world opened up to me and I was pivoted from it was very fast it was very fast it sounds Linda sorry to interrupt but it sounds like <laughs> lots of your dominant behaviors are coming through in that I mean one of your dominance is big picture it's that visionary piece a hundred percent big picture that's kind of, that's where you sit yeah. from a behavioral perspective and lots of what you were talking about there it was it's the ability to have the vision if you'd probably been someone who struggled more with that visual concept or needed to know the how before you could visualize it, what you're describing there just wouldn't have happened. So that big picture feels like that's contributed a lot to that. And I'm driven. I'm very driven. I'm still driven. You know, that's part of my personality. It's part of my, you know, business acumen. I'm motivated and I'm driven. And I'm still driven. Even at this stage, I don't, you know, I don't think, oh, I've done it now. What's next? Or what can I do now? And everything I do. Yeah. For sure. And that links with one of the the patterns on the behavioral map is about how you're motivated. And it shows that you are your biggest dominant, like dominant pattern is it's called power, but it's basically power describes like people who like to lead, people who like to take control, who are happy to be seen to take in control. They're motivated by sort of being the one at the forefront and leading the way, yeah. but you're you also have another pattern which says you like a team behind you. The, pro- that, yeah. the proximity pattern kind of is your work and preference. You love to have a team around you to to work with and help you with the execution. Um, yeah, yeah. Well, it would have been impossible to achieve my business without a team. It would yeah. it would have been impossible. But I recognise 
And I think my leadership skills motivate people because I'm motivated. And so I always, when I'm interviewing or when I was interviewing for, for my for my staff and my teams, I always needed to see how motivated they were and how driven they were because I like people who can follow who can follow me have got the same kind of drive. And also it's very, very important to have likability. Yeah. Now on the apprentice I might be seen as the queen of me, but that's not my natural business acumen. Yeah. I'm always I always feel you'll get you can get more with niceness than with not being nice. And so likability is is I think it's very important. It's very important as a boss. Yeah. You want your staff to like you. And my staff virtually really, really liked me. I mean, I was firm, but yeah. fair. Yeah. And I think, you know, likability has been important all the way through. And it's about that value piece, isn't it? I know we talked earlier about you You said it's like having good values and sticking to that. Yeah. And, you know, that's a massive piece, certainly in our business. It's around like being authentic. And sometimes that means you have to be bold and upfront and, you, you know, you need to be able to be decisive to move things forward. But you can do yeah. that in a way that makes people want to follow, not want to run. And I think... You, you know, exactly. Yeah. You want respect. You need to... Yeah. Respect has to be earned. It doesn't just come. You, you know, you need yourself to respect you and follow you and feel, you know, well, my staff worked very hard, especially in the importing days, because we traveled a lot and the days were very long. Yeah. But you had to make it, I had to make it so that they, they worked, they enjoyed it, what they were doing. And they also, I like to reward people. That's very important. If someone does a good job, they want to be rewarded. They need to show appreciation. They need to feel needed. They, it motivates them more. Obviously, they do something wrong. They also need to be told. Yeah. But in the right, in the right way, yeah. in the right way. And I think that direct. We we talked earlier about, you know, people often come to us with the behavioural stuff, and they'll say, "What's the ideal behavioural profile of a good manager or a good leader?" And our view is that doesn't that doesn't really exist. You can be a good, you you see so many variations of leaders. There's some leaders that are more directional leaders. There's some leaders that are more people leaders. So it's not the behaviors come underneath it, but some of those things that you're talking about, some of those nuanced things, those values driven things, yeah. that's yeah. what layers underneath it. The likelihood is because your map tells us your decision-making style and probably your leadership style is much more directional. You'll be more direct. You'll make firmer decisions. But the values that sit underneath that, and that's the yeah. difference between maybe you could have another leader that would have the same behaviors as you, but may not have the same values, in which case you wouldn't yeah. have the same impact. I think that's I think that's that's really right. And it really re resonates back to, to what I've said. Yeah, I am a leader and I am a decision maker. And I at the end of the day, if you're a boss, the buck stops somewhere, it has to stop with you. But I've always followed my gut feel, but, but I have always made my team inclusive. And sometimes I said, we're going to do this and this is why we're going to do it. You yeah. know, and I, I take opinions on board because anyone who just thinks they like that and doesn't need to listen is wrong. I take opinions on board, but I always make my decision. Yeah. And that layers into that, that other dominance we talked about earlier around that piece in you that's your source of reference will be you. And actually it's yeah. interesting when you were talking about that journey there, you know, what struck me was lots of good, fairly quick decisions when mm. you talked about that, yeah. that 
that yeah. piece, the confidence in your buying power. And it's not to say you can't be successful with other patterns. You can, but with your journey, what really has come out is that ability to to make those quick decisions because your source of reference and your gut feel of, is this right for me? Is this right for my business? Is so strong that mm. that sounds like that probably contributed to that growth. And I think, you know, what I do say, look, so I say I'm a trader. Yeah. So I've had a fashion business, electronics business, a property business, but it's all trading. It's all a variation of a theme. If I'm if I'm buying and selling multi-million pound houses, there's still a method behind it, you know. Yeah. It's still trading. And I think the same values follow through. You just take it changes a bit with what with what you're doing, you know. But but the core decisions are the same. The core research required is the same. Slightly different in the fashion business because I was creating something. But even when I created a sweater and I looked at that sweater, my first thought for that sweater is how much should that sweater sell for in the shops? And I worked back. Right? I pretty much knew how to calculate even the cost of the yarns and this and everything else. But I'd look at a sweater and i think, okay, how much is that a £10 sweater? And then I'd roughly see what I need, what it, I knew roughly what it would cost to make. How much do I need to pay for that? And that's how I would negotiate. Because negotiation is another super important part of any business and how you negotiate is very important. Yeah. And your patterns so, definitely tell us that, uh, Linda, like just that, like, yeah, that you'd be a strong negotiator because you would yeah. stay firm, but also like it would be informed. So like that commerciality piece that you've just mentioned, it's like it's you would go in and you would you would already have that plan in place as to yeah. what you wanted to get and how you wanted to yes. get to it. I'm keen to ask a little bit about your journey and in, in relation to sort of any challenges that you face or but but in relation to like you personally, maybe things that you found difficult or that have been a particular milestone and a challenge yeah. but that you've overcome? There's business challenges always, but obviously I, I faced quite a lot of personal challenges. First of all, women were not in business when I was in business. Women really were not at the forefront when I started. We're at home looking after their children. Yeah. And here was I with two sons, you know, by the time I was 21, I was a mother of two. I was in business and I did face personal challenges. And our very big personal challenge was the following. I was very dominant in my business. My former husband was a partner in the business, but I was very dominant in that business. And I was controlling a lot of people and controlling a lot of things. It's quite hard to take that dominant personality and perhaps make it work in a marriage. Mm -hmm. So I can't say I've had two long marriages, but I would say definitely my personal life, my personal relationship suffered from my business life. And perhaps the dominance, you know, it's I I, you know, I got married very young. I met my husband at 15. My personality maybe wasn't fully developed then. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So I did suffer personal challenges. I, what I would say, though, initially I felt a lot of guilt about my children leaving them because my business was an importing business. I was every six weeks, I was away for six weeks. But I, I get this question over and over again from mothers, and I say the same thing. My sons are grown now. And although I felt guilty and they weren't left on their own, my mother and father moved in and my husband was at home. I, but I made sure I always had quality time, not necessarily the quantity of time, but the quality of time. 
And my, you know, my kids really respected me and I felt I was laying the foundations for them as well to have a better life. So although I feel felt guilty, I say to mothers and women in business today, and I'm mentoring a couple of women who, you know, they come onto the challenges of their children. I say, no, don't, you know, as long as you give your children quality time, kids are resilient. And you, what you're doing is laying the foundations for them and you will earn their respect. And I'm living proof because my three boys have total respect for me. I mean, they're grown men now, <laughs> but they have total respect for me. So I did face a lot of personal challenges. It's difficult when you're a strong, dominant woman mm -hmm. in the man-woman relationship. Yeah, yeah. And also the independence came along. I had a lot of a lot of uh, financial independence. It, it, it's more challenging, maybe less today than it certainly was in my day. But I, I, I would say I personal relationships, not motherhood, because. I can give good advice on motherhood and I've been a success at that. I yeah. haven't been that successful at marriages. But, <laughs> <laughs> but you know what? what it's a challenge for us all um, or a lot of us. Yeah. I was just going to say, but thanks for sharing that because like for me, this this whole podcast series is around inspiring people. And I know that's such a yeah. big agenda point for you and, yeah. and being able to sort of translate and like being so open and vulnerable with that because it is a it is a real challenge. And that's not just, it's not just unique to, to women. I think we speak to a lot of men who are running businesses yeah. where their personal lives can suffer. Now, you know, and finding yeah. that balance is tricky, but obviously you are a trailblazer. You, you know, you, you yeah. were a woman. I mean, things have changed over the years and there's still lots of room for change for, from a diversity on all levels, I think in the boardroom and, and, and leadership and, and running in businesses uh, and whether that's gender or ethnicity or whatever but I think you know it's um it is it's really interesting to hear you talk about we talk a lot about people's person you know your personal life yeah. your business you're yeah. one person you're one person yeah. you might have yeah. you can segregate your lives but sections of your roles but ultimately you're one person you know exactly and so you know that something's got to give and yeah. there are and it, it was challenging and of course today women are much more at the forefront of business doesn't mean to say they still suffer the same probably personal challenges because you know as much as I would say I've been a very strong successful woman in business still a man's world yeah for me yeah people do have personal challenges you've just got to handle them and overcome them. and you know people are vulnerable that's life yeah. we've got vulnerabilities haven't we you can't stop and say it's like you know you don't get everything right you can't stop and say you can't poo-poo those vulnerabilities because they're there yeah. and sometimes you have to suffer because of them and yeah. sometimes your biggest growth comes from the things that you find the most difficult you don't necessarily get it instantly but certainly personally and people that we work with sometimes it's the hardest times of giving them their biggest growth spurt yeah but, but you know it's it can be difficult at the time personal is more difficult than business yeah yeah yeah, for yeah. sure. Much more. You're look, personally, is much more that you're, with em you're challenging emotions, yeah. you know. Emotions are a difficult thing. Business is much more straightforward and you're less emotional about it. Yeah. Um, I was emotional about my business, but in a different way. But personal, you're dealing with emotions. And the truth is, you can't hide from your emotions. You really can't. You yeah. can't hide from feeling bad. You can't hide if you cry sometimes. You just got to go through it. Yeah. Absolutely. You know, it, you, it is what it, it is, what it is. And I don't believe that you can really hide 
from feelings, nor should you. No. Because it's better if you feel bad, you feel bad. And that's how we all go through life. No one feels fabulous all the time. You just have to try to get over it. And I think that's where the, where the authenticity comes in as well. Like we talk a lot about leadership authenticity and feeling like, you know, when those things cross over into the business world, you don't, as a leader, don't have to always have this polished persona that everybody sees that actually sometimes those authentic, more vulnerable moments are the things that connect you to the people that surround you. But I think that's very, I think it's very important. Yeah. And that's just how you have your relationship with your staff. You need to be approachable, I think. You know, my staff would always approach me. I didn't want, you know, on the obviously on The Apprentice, I look like I'm unapproachable. Mm-hmm. And I also, because it's edited, I look like I don't even give anyone a chance to speak. And obviously, <laughs> and, not, and that's not true, but they always edit out the bits that they speak. But that's the TV show, and, you know, reality TV is TV first. Yeah. But in real, in real life, you need to let people express themselves you need to hear what they're saying. Again, it goes back to your relationships with, with your stuff. For me, relationships with my stuff and relationship with my suppliers was so important. And it came into play for me very much so when, when we had a massive um, currency crisis in the 80s. And I was buying millions of dollars worth of merchandise. And the pound went from, I think it went from 140 to 103 and I had to deal with this 30% increase wow. in goods costing me bringing in in US dollars and how that was going to translate also to my customers because I couldn't charge 30% more and my real relationships came into play there because I went to my factories and I said you've got to help me now you can see this crisis I need support from you I've supported you and then I went to my customers and said, look, I can't give you a 30% increase, but we're going to have an increase. And that that's where the relationship with both my suppliers and my customers came into play in, in very importantly. And yeah. that's, it's, that's really interesting because one piece that we sometimes get, and we haven't really talked about the opposite pattern here, but when we're doing leadership work with businesses, someone who's more internally driven, sometimes it can come across in an initial interaction that they're not as good at the relationship piece as the opposite, where people are more Mm. external and they just naturally build rapport. But actually what we talk about is that sometimes those internally motivated people that will absolutely be more direct with you, but actually the loyalty is often a big piece that they'll give you the direct feedback, but they're much less likely to switch suppliers at the flip of a hat or the relationship piece is still very important. It's just a different type of relationship to potentially what you would have if you were the opposite. Through all my businesses, I've believed in relationships. They've always worked for me. It's very important to have good relationships with people. I believe in that. And and I've also been a believer, you know, I'm not a one, one woman supplier, just, oh, have him change now. I've, I try to stick. There's growth as well, but I, loyalty, loyalty to my people, people loyal to me. It's all about building a relationship, respecting each other. In the end, it's a relationship, but loyalty is so important. And longevity, you know, I was, I had all my staff stayed with me for years. My suppliers always stayed with me. I had great respect from them. And that's earned. That's yeah. built. That just doesn't come overnight. You that comes from you. 
Yeah, absolutely. So I'm going to ask you the question that probably lots of people ask or what want to ask. And you've, yeah. you've touched on it a little bit. To just talk us through a little bit. I mean, we know how TV works, right? But thinking about that persona, I suppose, that comes across on The Apprentice, which pieces of it do you think are in line with you and actually sit sit with kind of how you are? And which pieces of it do you think are maybe amplified or edited to enhance some things? Okay. So when I get a business plan, obviously I, I can look at the business plan and I can see if a lot of it is just BS. Yeah. You know, I say, look, I always say to people, have a go, have a go. But you need to you need to have steps. It needs to be done gradually. And I'll get these business plans which I read, and you know, there a lot of them are just they're just not nonsense. And at the end of the day, you know, they might have a business which might be making 10, 15,000. And one year later, it's going to be making one and a half million. No, <laughs> it's not going to happen. And so that part, that side of me criticizing their business plan, that is, that's real. Yeah, that's okay. real. If you give me, if you give me something that is wreckable, I will wreck it. Because at the end of the day, it's a real show, and there's two hundred fifty thousand pounds of Lord Sugar's money going into investing in a business. Yeah. So you have to really look at the viability of the proposition. So that part is a hundred percent real, right? And I always start off is it's not shown, but I always say this is not personal. It's not personal about the person. It's about their business plan. But if they write me a load of nonsense, I'm going to say, what is this nonsense you've written me? And no, no, you're not going to make one and a half million. How? And where's the method? Where's the methodology? It, there's so always so much missing. Yeah. So that part of me is real. That's how I react. It's a little bit more sharper for the yeah. show yeah but still you. you know if you present me nonsense this is nonsense <laughs> and that sits with the behavioral patterns of you you know it's the directness it's the yes. not going to fluff this up i'm just going to no, give you the no point pussyfooting around yeah. it because it's if you show me nonsense i'll say it's nonsense and this is why it's nonsense yeah mm-hmm. and no it can't and yes you might be making a nut milk drink in your kitchen but how's it going to get on the stores of every supermarket where's the do you know what has to happen do you know and I and when I get a business plan I research because I don't know about every business but I have to ask half an hour's questions on that business and if I'm going to destroy it I've got to know I've got to know what I'm talking about credibly destroy it (laughs) yeah you know if it's if it's something I know about it's easy if it's something I don't know about obviously confidentiality is signed I might have to go out for research and say look help me with this tell me about a bakery business tell me how you know how much does a baker earn how long to make a loaf and how so I can really give the right questions yeah and so research is important and that's also important as I say if you're going for an interview do your research are there any pieces of it that you feel like maybe people have people have drawn misconceptions about you? Well, I'm not the queen of means. Yes. <laughs> and normally at the end of the apprentice, um, I do meet the I do meet the five I've interviewed and the three that have not gone on to the finals. And they're normally quite keen to talk to me and ask me questions. And a couple of them are in touch with me and I help them. So obviously that persona that persona is what people like to see. They do like to see the queen of mean, you know, wrecking people. That's not quite the way I would do it. But if I talk to them off camera and I say, well, look, 
this is just rubbish. You're not, you know, this is rubbish. You're not going to, you, you, you've got no quality control. You've got no concept of how you're going to bring the stock in. It's all eggs in one basket, all these things, which I might say to them in a softer way, but less direct than on the television. But this me, that is me. And I guess that's why, you know, Alan asked me to do it because it's For me. sure. We can definitely say you're not the queen of mean, for sure. So. <laughs> <laughs> and that relationship piece, you know, that you talked about and that comes out in your patterns that, you know, yes, there's that, that real directness and that direct feedback piece, but actually there's still a care for people and a relationship and an offer of a relationship there. Yeah. And that yeah. kind of brings us on to, you know, we... First of all, I want to say a massive thank you for being part of this. We know you're super busy and I am really jealous that you're sat in Florida currently. Um, But we also want to, you know, give you just, we'd love to hear just a little bit about your business academy um, and sort of the work that you do within that. And obviously in the show notes, we're going to give a link to that if people are interested. Um, But we'd love to hear just a little bit about that from you. So, so during lockdown, I wrote a business course I wanted to do it for quite a while and I felt I could write a business course that is actually, it's it's not graphs and, 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 and statements. It's like a, just a true grit, me speaking about the key chapters and roles in business, such as relationships, such as negotiations, how to get an idea. And in every chapter, I also explain, I use an anecdote of my own how I use this in one of my own businesses. So I wrote the business course, which I really enjoyed doing. And it's a gives people a great, a good foundation. And then I also do mentoring, which I never actually thought I could be a mentor, but I gave a talk for the Prince's Trust. And it was quite inspiring to young people. And they asked me at the end of it if they would, if they could present their six top entrepreneurs and could I pick a business that would win and would I mentor that business for a year? And I did. And I picked a girl. I picked a girl who had a kind of helping hands business. So she wasn't doing medical support, but she was doing ironing, washing, talking to people, people in need, et cetera, et cetera. And I thought it was a really good, she, she, she portrayed herself really well. She sent me a video. And at the time when I started mentoring, I thought she had a lot of potential. And at the time when I started mentoring her, there was just her, an assistant and three staff. And now she's got 30 people in her office and 160 staff. Wow. And so I suddenly realized that I, could mentor quite well. And what we've done, Linda, very kindly um, gave us a direct email that we'll put in the show notes if you want to reach out to Linda about any of that. That's my role. That's my role. I'm still active in business, but less, you know, the property business is not quite as demanding. At the time of the pandemic, I I gave up my interior design business. So I'm still active, but now I'm freer to give talks and to help people. And this is the role now. Yeah inspiring others well you've definitely inspired us yes so, oh, I'm glad. thank you so much for your time we've loved my pleasure so what an amazing episode so let's just wrap up with some key takeaways so the first thing we heard linda talk about her journey specifically around her knitwear brand honeysuckle and one of the big things that came out of that was the influence of her big picture behavioral pattern on that. So Linda's 100% big picture. And we really heard her talk about that opportunistic piece in her 
really her being being having the ability to be a true visionary. She had a really, although she didn't know exactly what she was going to do at the very beginning, she had a really clear vision for each stage. And that vision allowed her to make some really quick, direct decisions that actually drove that success. The key thing really when you, if you, to apply this lesson is if you aren't as high big picture as that, it's about being careful not to get stuck in the what and the how that prevents you from maybe thinking bigger and making decisions that really help you achieve a big vision. The second piece that we want to look at is about not drawing misconceptions around someone who is more internally motivated. Often someone with this internal pattern that Linda has a dominance in, they are direct, they like to lead, they like to take control, they won't shy away from that directness of feedback. But that doesn't mean that they don't care or are not invested in long-term relationships. And what we learned from Linda's journey and what we see from working with leaders with this pattern in particular, they might take longer to build the relationship, but once you're in, you're in. That loyalty piece to someone who's internally motivated is really important. And we really heard that come through in Linda's conversations when she talked about her suppliers, when she talked about her team, that actually that longevity and the connected loyalty with those people that she worked with was not only really important to her, but also pivotal in her success. And the last takeaway that we want to wrap up is really having a consciousness that what makes your behavioral patterns so phenomenal is the the polar opposite sometimes that you get between them being your biggest strength, but also potentially being your Achilles heel. We heard Linda talk about some a couple of those patterns that we described around, you know, that that directness, that drive, that authority and the want the taking control and driving the business forward. That while that undoubtedly has contributed to her business success, it had a detrimental impact at times on her personal life. And Linda's behavioural patterns seem fairly static across her personal and business context. That's not always the case. Sometimes people have slightly different behavioural patterns personally to what they do in work. But it's just important to optimise where your behavioural patterns are strengths and making sure that you apply those in those contexts but also not having blind spots around the fact that they will also be your areas of challenge and you might need to do things that might counterbalance those. Thanks for listening to the Misbehave podcast and a big thank you to Linda for joining us today. If you want to find out more, connect with Linda, please head over to the show notes. Hit subscribe so you don't miss out on future episodes. 